Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. With me, as always, Tommy Johnson, Daniel Zollinger. Uh, didn't have an LSU game to get into this week since the bye, obviously, but a lot of good college football games and news to get into for sure. Uh, my goodness. Uh, uh, this is not the way I thought I'd see Harbaugh uh, going down, especially on his probably his one of the few years he actually would maybe have a chance to win a playoff game. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, LSU picked up another recruit. And of course, all eyes are looking towards Bama this coming weekend. So a lot to get into. want to check in with the co-host first, see how you guys do and see what you did with your bye week. Hopefully uh, something nice. How y'all doing? Hey, good to be with you. Good to be talking college football this uh, this Bamble week. I mean, you know, this is something the LSU fans look forward to for the entire year. So glad to talk about it with you. Um, had a decent bye week. Uh, you know, played a little golf, watched college football, and the pressure is a little bit off. So, you know, didn't have to worry about our, our games. So just got to enjoy the sport. Yeah, had a good weekend. Uh, didn't really watch as much of the games as I was expecting to on Saturday, but still caught some good ones. And yeah, went to a concert Friday night. So that was fun and eager to see how LSU performs in Tuscaloosa this upcoming week with college game day on campus and, and all of that, given our, our schedule at this point, kind of the Super Bowl for LSU the rest of the way. So uh, a big week in LSU sports and, and excited to, to break that down. Absolutely. And definitely looking forward to it. It's probably the, one of the few years where I think collectively as, as LSU fans, you, you go, you know what? We got a pretty good chance. I'm not, I'm not really worried. I don't know. It's not normally it's like, oh, they're going to wreck our season. But now it's like, so what? Um, I, I think it'll just be a good game overall. But I, I think for the most part, we're, we're more confident going into this week. Usually it's kind of looming, but I, I have no anxiety about it whatsoever, at least not like usual. Uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. A lot of uh, other stuff, a lot of other teams and, and fans probably had some own anxiety going on, man. Lot of interesting football. Uh, a lot of it, you know, good amount of it came from the Pac-12 too. Uh, but I'd say the, I don't know if you guys, there were a few upsets. Um, for me, I don't know. It's probably Oklahoma losing on the road to Kansas. It was close, um, thirty-eight to thirty-three. But uh, you know, they snapped like an eighteen-game losing streak to Oklahoma. Uh, they snapped another long losing streak. I think their last maybe top ten win was in the eighties or something. Uh, just you know, ridiculous history there. But uh, feel free if there was you think a, a bigger impactful game. Probably was so in the Pac-12. But uh, just a lot of crazy scores. What did you guys see? Uh, I feel like with with the exception of. Uh, the the Oklahoma game that you mentioned and Clemson going down felt like a lot yeah. of chalk to me. Um, you know, Oregon kind of the, the the game day game of this week. Oregon rolled against Utah. Uh, Georgia really, I mean, they beat Florida by twenty three by, by twenty three points. Although I think if you watch that game, I mean, it was pretty sound. Like Florida tacked on an extra seven with like a minute left, but um, you know, there was no chance. Um, I mean, other than that, uh, you know, a decent, I think a decent week, although I just, I just, I don't know about y'all. I felt like the games, the the games ended early last night and they're just like, like when I was flipping through, I was like, there's just nothing really like the Colorado was like the ABC game, like the premier ABC game. 
eh, it was okay. It wasn't great. Um, you know, so a, a decent week, but I'm ready to I'm ready. I mean, with game day coming to, to the LSU Alabama game, I'm ready. For, I'm hoping this one can, uh, can, end, you know, can be, a one of the most exciting of the year so far. Yeah. Yeah. It, it always feels different on LSU's bye week because although there's the relief of not having to worry about LSU losing that week, there's not the kind of exciting tension of the impending game as well. There's something to, to look forward to and really kind of sink your teeth in when LSU steps up to the field. And, and obviously we'll have that this week against Alabama, but yesterday, um, Oregon handing UC, uh, Utah, excuse me, a thumping. They really proved that they're here to play. And the team that beat them, Washington, kind of narrowly escaped Stanford at, at night, a Stanford team that's not super good. But Washington continues unbeaten and is still looking in a pretty decent place to make the playoff uh, from the, the Pac-12. Their Oregon's compadres, the Oregon State Beavers, did lose in uh, to Arizona, who's spoiled a little bit there. So uh, teams that are kind of starting to fall. And uh, North Carolina as well, they were looking good at the beginning, but fell to Georgia Tech. And other than that, mostly mostly pretty normal. USC escaped Cal uh, by one point late in the game on a failed two-point conversion. Um, and then Clemson's season's pretty much has fallen apart at four and four. I don't know if we really saw that coming, but uh, some rising to the challenge and some uh, dropping as well. But I think at the end of the day, the cream of the crop, Georgia, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, Florida State, they're all still sitting pretty and looking pretty dominant at this point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it took Georgia a while to do it, but I don't know. People are saying, are they really the number one team? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously a case could still be made, but um, handling Florida like that, uh, there was, I mean, Florida kind of got off to a good start. And then I think there was uh, a missed fourth down or something happened and just the tide turned to Georgia. And after that, they just, you know, they boat raced them. Yeah. Now, uh, Daniel did mention a couple of uh, the Pac-12 upsets and definitely so. I mean, I I never really knew what the attraction to Oregon State was, but I mean, they were holding their own most of the year. Uh, did fall there. Um, USC, I mean, Cal, <laughs> USC kept trying to give Cal that game and Cal was like, no, you take it. We don't want it. Like they, there was a couple plays with Cal. They, uh, they fumbled a punt return when they were already up like ten points or something like that. And then there was another uh, giveaway. And then that whole two point thing instead of going for a tie when obviously you've, you know, you've you've been doing well against USC the whole game. But I, I mean, I can understand why you do it, but that could have been a big upset. Um, there was, you know, Duke and and Louisville. Not not much of a big impactful game there but you know uh, there was that Tennessee Kentucky was a good game uh Iowa State took care of business looked the the part there um everything else like you said I think the cream is rising to the top nothing is really changing in the top four Florida State is quietly just you know putting together a great season uh Georgia's was quiet at first too and you know now you have three and four coming down to Ohio state and Michigan here in uh, what a few weeks. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that either of those are going to change and who knows, could they still make the playoff? That's the only loss was to each other. And it was by a field goal again, you know, same with uh, Georgia and whoever they may play in the sec title game. But uh, I think everything could also hinge next weekend with uh, LSU Bama, the game uh, that they were calling it for a while, but 
I think this this year could actually live up to the billing. Now, with uh, what happened, I don't know if it really changed things. I think the Pac-12 could still have a a playoff seed as well as the Big 12 because there was like six Big 12 teams that were all like four and one. Still a lot of football left to be played, but I don't know. It could, I think it could be the year where it's one Pac-12, one Big 12, one Big 10, one SEC maybe. I, I, I think I agree. I, I would, I hesitate to say that they would put two big 10 teams in. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know if we live, if we're in a world yet where it's Ohio state and Michigan, regardless of whether, you know, who beats who and, you know, yeah, you know, like, uh, like a Georgia Alabama situation. I just don't think we're there yet with, with those teams and with that, with that, with that conference. Um, that being said, I don't think this is a year where the SEC is going to get to. Mm-hmm. Not that I, I don't. This gosh, I don't know about that. This this season just is weird to me. Like I just There's, don't feel like anyone is. No one's elite. I, I don't think I, I've said it before. I still don't think that anyone's elite. And I'm just. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right, Scott. I think it's going to be one from each conference, and who knows what's going to happen when we get to the playoff. Right. Each of the power five conferences has at least one contender still standing, which is not the case in a lot of seasons. The one with the kind of the least tenuous grasp on it, I would say, is the ACC with Florida State. Just about every other team, barring like a Louisville miracle or something, has been eliminated. So the ACC needs to keep Florida State winning out. But every other conference, even the Big 12, who now has no undefeated any longer, both Texas and Oklahoma, if they win out, can make a pretty strong claim, uh, especially Texas having beaten Alabama. And if they got to beat Oklahoma again, kind of avenging their earlier loss, then uh, the Longhorns may go dancing. But yeah, the, the SEC, it's pretty much whoever wins the SEC championship, either Georgia or Alabama, even Ole Miss like has a claim if they run the table and beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Uh, so a lot, lot of football to be played, but um, I'm interested to see we're recording on Sunday. The the first college football playoff official rankings come out on Tuesday on Halloween night. Uh, so we'll get to see the the committee's first opinion on who's the best, who's put together the most solid resume. And we can definitely break that down next week. But um, it'd be interesting to see if they keep Georgia on top or if they give somebody else a little nod, maybe like Ohio State, given the, the quality of their wins so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Definitely will be interesting to see those rankings because it's, I think it's everyone behind them too, because um, I mean, LSU has those two losses, but who can say that they can't make the argument we, you know, that we are showing the best offense in the country right now, you know? So I I don't know. Uh, Yeah. We got two losses, both of them. Well, one was very close. The other was close for a while, Uh, but I don't know. Do you think in this kind of dovetails nicely into the, the next segment is, do you think that, the committee looks at certain things and maybe they would have seen Michigan as, yeah, I'd say they're probably the number two or within light of everything that's going on. They go, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe more like of a four, maybe they're a four or five, you know, cause I don't know. Uh, it's come, it's come out this week that there was some Michigan staffer that was uh, recording game, other games from uh, opponents and just sealing, stealing their signs. Um, it's, it's apparently, this has gone back a few years. Uh, there's even mention of LSU and Clemson, which we can get to a second, but, um, yeah, and that's, this is just nuts. Cause it's, I don't know. You've, you've heard of this thing before in small segments, even the NFL, but 
I don't know. It's, they're making this thing to be out to be really big. It, it, yeah, there, it really does. It sounds sounds really big. Um, I I feel like to your point about the committee. Yeah, I, I don't. I feel like if, if there were, I I think Michigan is probably going to be at best a four. If like because they don't, can you imagine if they were like, you know what, they're the number two team in the country, and then like have to take them completely out of the rankings because of some sort of like NCAA thing. Although. I think theoretically, now we know that the committee doesn't operate this way, but theoretically, aren't they supposed to only be looking at what's on the field? Sure. So, I mean, that's not how they operate, but. Yeah, I would have a bit of a different opinion there. And I think the committee kind of goes where it's like business as usual and they they try to ignore it as best they can and rank based on on resume and stuff. And they'll probably say, we're just going to let the NCAA do what they're going to do and apply any punishments that they decide. And they'll kind of take care of our job for us. Like if they give Michigan a postseason ban or, or whatever kind of infractions, then that's fine. But uh, we don't want to be viewed as like having subjective opinions based on stuff Mm. that isn't quite proven yet. Cause there's a lot of, questions well it seems pretty bad that like it seems it's going straight to the top there's pictures and videos of this guy connor stallions like standing right next to harbaugh on the sidelines and like pointing out stuff uh but they kind of denied knowing that oh we were doing this that or the other we didn't pay for stallions to go to these games and and record all this um but it's like hundreds of games Yes, it's kind of crazy. And then he put it all on his own dime, which is the weirdest part, because then you're like, well, he has to be getting paid from somebody because like, it would have cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars to fly across the country. There was reports that he flew back and forth from California to Ann Arbor and Michigan like 10 times in the span of four weeks or something uh, scouting games. And so like, if, if the money wasn't coming from somewhere, it would just be quite insane. Although this guy, Stallions, does seem pretty insane to begin with. He's like... Yeah, he's like the ultimate super fan. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard about where they apparently he wrote a 600 page manifesto on how he would be the co- the head coach of Michigan. Right. Basically, his 15 year plan on how to make Michigan like the unstoppable, basically like make them the Alabama of what they've been the past 15 years. Um, and it starts with scouting all these other teams, knowing their signs and just having the the edge on everyone. But uh, it seems like it's something that snowballed way beyond what it meant to be. And I guess we'll find out. Uh, what infractions come, if any, over the course of the next months, years, weeks? And to to me, it seems like he's the kind of guy that you need to fire Harbaugh and get this guy in there. Oh, you would just love that, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just want Harbaugh fired, period. Harbaugh, nope. Harbaugh might. Harbaugh wants Harbaugh fired. He's he <laughs> wants to go back to the NFL. I feel like, you know, like with the right now, like there's no chance he's back. He's back in Michigan next year. With all this going around, whether it's true, whether it's fake, I mean, he was wasn't he going to take which job was he going to take last year? Was it Minnesota or I forget what it was? He interviewed for some NFL job last year, and everybody was like, "Oh, he's gone! Like he's gone from Michigan. Michigan needs to move on." And then he ended up coming back. But every year he goes and flirts with the NFL. Sure, he's probably trying to get a raise. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. It's the whole thing is yeah. It's like it could be plausible deniability. I I do see the just the financial aspect of it. Of like, how can someone do all this on their own dime? Although I know, like, I mean, if he is a super fan, if he wrote a manifesto, I mean, if this is his uh, opus, his life's work, I get it. I mean, I've seen people. It, it's nothing to put someone's put themselves into debt just to follow a dream. I mean, people do it 
every day, yeah. every year, every industry, maybe. I don't know. That's you could say it's very desperate, but I mean the guy's obviously motivated. Um, but the fact that he's on the sidelines with the coach and pointing out stuff, not just standing there like I don't know, just to to hold his headset, but like if he's actually holding things and showing it to him, then that shows communication. So I, I don't know what what they can say about that. It'll all come out. Uh, just just wait for the I'll just wait for the slideshow. Um, but as far as it, you know, them coming down hard on it and the, the committee, yeah, I mean, it's they're just supposed to look at what's on the field, but. I don't know it's kind of tainted jury pool, right? Because you could say, well, I mean, is is why they look good on the field because they're watching in the stands too, behind the coach's shoulders? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just making that up, but still, it's uh, yeah. I, I I could see that they have to just watch the the games that there's in front of them, but I don't know. It, I, I know it plays in somebody's mind. Either way, it's so pervasive. They were saying it went back to 2019. Not necessarily with that guy, but just or or was it? I don't think it was. Uh, but there were there was rumors that you know LSU suspected Brent Venables with Clemson at the time doing that uh, when they played. Yeah, I remember that. So and supposedly, yeah, it was you know LSU stalled the first few drives. They were stopping us, and Coach O was like, "Change it up." And, uh, <laughs> Steve Insminger changed the signs, and then boom, different story. Believe it or not, but uh, that's that is that is what's out there. Uh, but it's interesting. I don't know. I, I think it's it is something to kind of keep an eye on, uh, just with the sport in general, because it's you know they're they're always trying to protect the the sanctity of the game and all these major sports, professional. Yeah. But um, like that's the one thing you know college usually has is not too much cheating, like not like that, um, but. I don't know. I don't think they would want that to uh, take down all the top programs. It feels it feels like a perfect E60 sort of like documentary a few years down the line. It's like what went wrong with Michigan where <laughs> one grad student with a clipboard brought down the downfall of one of the biggest programs out there. Um, and I, it, I doubt it comes to that. They'll probably find some scapegoats to throw under the rug, um, kind of like LSU has tried to do with some of their scandals in the, in the recent past. Uh, but I think Michigan will continue to just do what they, they normally do. I doubt you'll be seeing him on the sideline anymore, though, for the immediate future. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, definitely, definitely shocking stuff. Uh, but I don't know. Like I said, I'll just wait to see the full report because I know the NCAA is just right on top of it and they're going to give us all the dirty secrets. Now, It'll just uh, take we... three years for them to release something. I know, right? All these committees. Um, but I mean, so there was some other news with LSU this week. We did land a recruit, actually flipped one for an a- from A&M. And I don't know, that was that was awesome. Uh, five-star tackle, Weston Davis from Texas A&M. Um, I don't know. This was kind of still new to me. I hadn't reached researched up on the guy but uh i do know tommy actually talked about it before we we hopped on air this is uh it's been a while since lsu's you know pulled a big five star like that i mean we got we got some good ones on the team right now but um that's amazing it's it really shows brian kelly's commitment to recruiting the offensive line at the high at the highest level um Mm -hmm. you know will campbell 
uh, Lanceard, yeah, Emory Jones, and now uh, is it Weston Davis? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, people have had a lot of complaints about Brian McKelly's recruiting strategy and the results that he's been able to bring bring through. Um, I think it's fair to say that our defensive back recruiting and skill position recruiting has definitely gone down in comparison to maybe it's pat years in the past, but offensive line, I don't know if we've ever recruited as well offense, uh, at the offensive line position as we are these days. Yeah. And it was a big get too, because we only had one other offensive lineman in the 2024 class at the moment. So definitely a position of need and it takes away resources from one of our biggest rivals at the moment, Texas A&M who had been doing quite the opposite, flipping a lot of our guys over to their side in the past couple of years. So yeah, big coup by Brian Kelly. And then got to give a shout out to offensive line coach Brad Davis as well. Who's really kind of shaped these guys into a, a solid unit and that's obviously you've seen it on the field this year, helping us out so much, both in the passing and an expanded running game with Logan Diggs and creating a lot more opportunities for Jaden Daniels to, to work downfield and just dissect opponents. And that's how Alabama really built their, I guess you could call it dynasty over the 2010s was uh, in the trenches play on the offensive and defensive side. And hopefully we can emulate some of that going forward. So that brings us up to 26 uh, current committed players in the 2024 class above that normal 25, but maybe we have an extra slot or two based on transfers or something. So uh, more to come possibly, but seems like that's about it. But I mean, this was a surprise, so you never really know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and... not too early to process somebody. <laughs> yeah. uh, and having said that uh, guys, it's here. It's been a week. Uh, the game we've all been waiting for, I guess. So, a lot on the line, obviously. Uh, I think LSU has uh, some good momentum. Bama does too. That's right. They, you know, they stumbled early with Texas, and you know they, they've definitely had some some games they've had to cut out. But they are Bama. We do know they're susceptible, though. Uh, their defense is strong as ever, but their offense is it doesn't have as much punch this year. I mean, they have looked better in recent weeks. They had that good comeback game against Tennessee. So I don't know. I just want to know what your uh, thoughts are this week and what do you think the keys are? I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now, and I, I think this is LSU's best chance uh, to be to, to really to match up with an Alabama team in, in a couple of years. I, I don't necessarily think last year we we were we had the edge. I mean, we got we got the win, but on paper, we were not um, matched up the way that we you know, played out. I think this week, I mean, yeah, this year, this week, we are matched up pretty well. Um, now, it doesn't help that our uh, quarterbacks are pretty much all uh, you know, injured. It's all hands on deck at this point. <laughs> it's all hands on deck at a point where uh, Jermaine Burton has really become like wide receiver one for Alabama, which is a which is a position that they really didn't have a, a you know, a top guy up until mm -hmm. maybe, I mean, up until maybe like that Tennessee game, he had a really good game against Tennessee and had some kind of breakout plays. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, they, they, he's for us. Gosh. I mean, we just got to have uh, some semblance of a defense. If we can hold, hold them uh, just a little bit, we'll be, you know, and, and, put up points and think we're okay um it's a lot to ask though because milrose seems to be getting in a getting in a, a groove 
McClellan's a good back. And, you know, when you got Burton at, and a core of, you know, decent receivers, I, gosh, our, uh, our defense is going to be in for one, I think. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems to be an opportunity for LSU to win in Tuscaloosa when we play at our best. But I think that's the key is we have to play at our best and not make any silly mental mistakes, uh, losing the, the ball on a fumble or uh, the penalties are always an issue, especially against Alabama. People like to call out the refs on both sides of the ball, although Alabama has been kind of similarly penalized to us. But uh, these things can make a difference. And especially uh, with that depleted secondary, like you mentioned, Tommy, a, a silly like pass interference in the end zone or uh, fall starting when we're in the red zone about to score and reducing us to a field goal that can change the course of a game. That being said, our offense is so good that even though Bama has the best defense that we've played against all year, I think we put points on the board. Uh, I would hope 30 or more. And whether that is enough to get the job done, I kind of question that because of uh, how weak the defense has been. So just try and box in Milrow a little bit. Uh, You called out Jermaine Burton as their number one wide receiver. They don't have a lot of depth after that. So if we can find one guy to try and like stick to him, I mean, maybe you say that Sage Ryan at cornerback number one. Uh, it's a it's a tall ask. So yeah, um, so I, I saw the report, and, and I guess that's I guess you, you you're you agree or you saw it too. So we're gonna have to start Sage Ryan as a as a true corner. Is that right? That's what it seems. Yeah, yeah. him, and then on the other side, a mixture of kind of Jeremiah Hughes, um, Latarence Welch, and some other either true freshmen, maybe or, like Stamps, Ashton. Yeah, yeah. So, and then safeties as well, filling in at the, uh, at the nickel position. So it's, it's going to be a rough go unless somehow Deuce Chestnut or Denver Harris magically becomes available before the game, but I do not expect that to happen. Uh, so Milrow's Chestnut's gonna... injured, right? Isn't that I don't right? know. Or did he go? Was... You know, he left the team. I think. Yeah. There was roommates. He pretty much just quit out on the team, which I don't know why, since we were doing all right at that point. And then Denver Harris is just a basket case. Yeah. Where he's at. Right. Uh, it's another Eric Gilbert situation, probably. Yeah, really. uh, but I don't know. Brian Kelly, I don't know. He wasn't too clear. I, I, yeah, again, I don't think we will have access to them this week. Um, but yeah, some young guys need to step up. And I mean, that's what you hope if you recruited properly. Uh, but I guess maybe there's a reason we haven't seen him yet either. You know, um, coaches know. Uh, fans always wonder why are we playing so-and-so? Well, you know, we don't, we don't know everything that the coaches know. So it's like, trust me, they're, they're seeing him more than you are. <laughs> like, and if, if he's not yeah. ready, if he's not ready in you know, a scout team, then he's probably yeah. not ready for the SEC. Believe me, we're, we're watching the same games you are where these wide open touchdowns are happening. If, if we thought that guy could be better back there, he would be. We might give him a try. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's I think that'll be key. LSU not giving up big, long scores. Like, I think if we keep everything in front of us and make them work it down the field, uh, we can definitely outscore them. But I, I think we have to get to their quarterback because uh, we we can't expect a lot of coverage sacks. And Miller's a lot. Oh, there's just there's nobody open. I can't find anybody. You know, we, they got to get to him early so that he doesn't have the ability to sit back there and watch his his playbook develop in front of him. Um, And that's something that Milrow hasn't been able to do well. Like he doesn't like when he, when he feels pressured, he just runs. 
he doesn't really have the the uh the ability to you know run out of the pocket but then take a you know basically pause and look downfield and really deliver a strike like maybe like we saw with burrow or like you would see with bryce young um i think that yes I, i agree you know what but you know what scares me about about putting a lot of pressure on him is if if he breaks the if he breaks out of the tackle box and you know gets an open space, who do we have that can tackle him? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. As far as safeties and safeties and and you know now I'm not saying that that I'm not saying like okay like don't pressure the quarterback because we're scared that our quarterbacks and our and our safeties won't be able to tackle him. But that is a concern that I have when I think about kind of just scheming out this game, right? Although one bright spot that kind of does come in with that is that Alabama is tied for fourth worst in the country in sacks allowed. I was just kind of singing the praises of Nick Saban and his offensive line, but they've given up 35 sacks through eight games, and that's a lot. Milrow's been getting battered. Maybe that's a bit on Milrow himself holding onto the ball for too long or trying to make something out of a negative instead of just throwing it away. But given the pass rush that we have, I'm sure that um, Matt House and Brian Kelly are trying to draw up some stunts and yeah. uh, specific pl- pressures for Harold Perkins or uh, Mason Smith uh, coming off the edge and getting to Milrow and kind of negating that the advantage that they may have in the outside passing game. Uh, so we just got to lay it on heavy on their offensive line and try and wear them down early and often uh, in order to balance out the playing field there and then let our offense just go to work um, on the other side of the ball. Yeah, Daniel, you bring up a good point. Their offensive line, they're just not good. <laughs> like this is one of the worst Bama offensive lines you've seen in a while, and and that's something we should really be be working to exploit. Like if we're going to have a successful game, if we're going to win, we're going to have to really take advantage of a of a uh, a down year for Alabama offensive line. Yeah, and I think ours really has to shine again. Um. I feel good about our offense, but you know, this will be, like you said, the, the toughest we've probably seen this, this year. Um, I don't know. I think Florida state was pretty good. Although we, I don't know. It was just different. Our, our, our defense was different back then. I think our defense will be better. We've seen improvement week to week. Our, I've seen improvement with our offense too. Now specifically with uh, Jaden Daniels. So as long as he can do what he does, not make mistakes like he has not been doing, and we just don't give the ball away on offense, I think we'll be fine. Um, And I know I would say maybe Alabama hasn't seen an offense like ours. I mean, they've seen Mississippi's shut them down. Uh, But then again, I don't know. I think we have overall more weapons, or at least I would think, you know, we've got like three good wide receivers. Uh, Some are stepping up, in you know even more we do have a, a tight end that we helped help beat them last year with we do have a great running back core um i, I think we have everything we need we just need execution i think i think as far as the as far as the offense goes like our offense versus our, their offense i take our i take our offense in every position over Agreed. i think that I, I like Diggs better than than jace mcclellan i like uh jane daniels a lot better than i like milrow and i like any of our top three receivers better than Burton. Burton is very good though. And he's, I, I feel like he's gotten better over the year, but I still think, uh, yes, Scott, I, I agree. I think that our, our offense is, is head and shoulders above theirs. It's really that defense. Yeah. And then the, the third phase of the game, which has been 
uh, Alabama's Achilles heel in the past and special teams LSU fans shouldn't be expecting uh, a bailout there because they actually have a really good kicker this year and Will Reichert who's 40 for 40 on kicks uh, 25 for 25 and extra points and 15 for 15 on field goals uh, so if it comes down to a 2011 nine to six game, uh, that one might might shake the other way. But I imagine there'll be a few more points on the board than that. I would love that. I would love for for us to just have a have a back and forth. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see some creativity there too. Um, you know, or, uh, Alabama has, you know, they do have a good kicker, but they've been beaten on special teams before, not often. But I don't know. I feel like we're still due. I've seen improvement in that. I know maybe Caleb Jackson can get us over the 50 by himself again. That'd be kind of nice. I, I would, I would like to see him to, you know, bust a, uh, bust a punt return or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So do either of you feel comfortable tossing out of predictions? I know Daniel said LSU is probably going to get in the thirties. What about Bama? Well, the the current line, uh, believing that is Alabama minus four, um, with an over under of sixty points. So uh, Vegas is saying, what is that? Um, thirty. Oh, it's hard to do math. Um, thirty two to twenty eight, um, and I don't think that's too far off. I think actually it might be even a little bit higher scoring than that. It's hard to. It's hard to pick LSU in Tuscaloosa, though. Um, we, we did it in 2019, but that, that team was something special and something different. I I predicted us to lose at the beginning of the season, and then so I think I'm I think Bama might edge us there, even though we got the better of them last year. So I'm going to say Bama 37, LSU 34. Hmm. Tommy, well, while he's thinking about that. You mentioned LSU in 2019. We had we were up on Bama by 20 and a half. So it's possible. They did come back and only it, yeah, it looked like we were running points. away with it then. Yeah. We kind of came back, let but, them back in. Yeah. Well, that's what happened to Tennessee a few weeks ago. They were up, I think, 20 to 7 at half. And Alabama just came back. Tennessee didn't do anything in the second half, and that was it. Um, but again, that can't happen. I don't think it would happen, but uh yeah, I think if we get up early with our offense, we're good. I, I don't know. Do any other LSU fans? I think that, you know what? Gosh, I, I feel like I always do this. I'm like, at the start of this podcast, I would have said we'd lose. I think I've talked myself into a win for LSU. Um, I think that I think that I could see this game playing out like the Tennessee game, that, uh, you know, like where we're Tennessee but we actually hold on. Um, I don't think that, right. you know, I, I, I can see, I think if LSU's going to win this game, it, it does have to be like Tennessee where you get out ahead early. But the, I think the difference is Jaden Daniels and, and this offense don't make the critical mistakes, the fumble or the, the, the bad like penalties, like the uh, false starts and, and things the like snap that. over the shoulder. Yes. Where like, we don't do that. I don't think, I don't think this, this offense does that that really was the, was just the opening that that Alabama team needed uh, to, to get back in the game. I know that this defense, uh, that Alabama defense is going to be tough for us, but I, I think if we can get up, if we can get up early, I, I don't think that this Alabama offense is capable of, of scoring at will to, to get back. So, you know, I like us, if we can get, if we can get up by two or three scores, I like us to, to, 
keep keep pressure on, keep the gas pedal on, and and, and beat them in that race. So I'm, I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm putting I'm putting my life on it. If she doesn't win, I won't be on this podcast next week. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> Might be two man. <laughs> um, I'll say uh, LSU wins, and we'll do it. Uh, we'll say 42, 42-35. Mm, okay. And, and I'm going to say that, th- that 35 is scored in garbage time. Like, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like the, uh, like the, like that last touchdown that gets them to 35. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, that it's like scored like at the end, kind of like, uh, what you saw with, uh, Georgia and, te- and, uh, Florida this week, this past week. Right. Uh, I think LSU, it'll be good for a while, but then I don't know. I think we'll, we'll just be too much. I mean, I have to go, I'm already deficit one game for that, the season prediction. So I think LSU, 38 to 23 big win yeah oh dang i hope so scott well, says we roll into tuscaloosa <laughs> yeah i'm I mean, not saying we go up 38 nothing and then they you know it's it, it might be us down 17 to 10 at some point but then you know we get stuff working you know I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an offensive league now sorry you know what I mean? Like, and we have the, I think we have one of the best offenses in the country. It's, and so it, it's an offensive game. It's basketball on grass. See what happens. Stranger things have happened last year. Bama was favored by 13 and a half. And we ended up coming out on top in overtime on that one. True. Crazy game. True. Uh, so, I mean, go Tigers. They got college game day in Tuscaloosa, which I'm excited about. First time that LSU has been on game day since the national championship game in 2019. Uh, so it's yeah. first, first time in. Yeah almost four, four years. years isn't that kind of crazy to think i had to I look think... it up whenever they announced it i was like i wonder when the last time was yeah it doesn't feel like it was that long ago mm. to be honest but like that is a that's a very long time ago <laughs> well that's that's two coaches ago yeah that's <laughs> that's what four offensive coordinators ago <laughs> jeez well, I mean, I feel good about ours now, uh, but I was just looking up because it's kind of like with uh, Tennessee. We, we talked about their game with Bim and how that started. Uh, Texas kind of similar, right? Like they went up 13 to six at half and then Bama scored 10 in the third. But then Texas just scored three touchdowns in the fourth. And that was pretty much it. So uh, I think we'll be good in the long haul. Just don't worry about each individual quarter as long as we're still still putting up. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be exciting either way. 745 Central kickoff and CBS doing their primetime SEC game. The last one ever. Last one ever. Wow. Well, you're saying, wait. Or no, it's 645, 645 there we Central. Go. Yeah, there excuse we me. Because I'm in Eastern, 745. I'll actually yeah. be in California watching this game at 445 time, which is weird. Huh. Right. It is weird. Okay, um, so just a little side note, based on since it is since this is like a, a CBS primetime game, like you said, Dan, it'll be the last one they ever do SEC on CBS. Um, I was watching Georgia and uh, Florida this week, and I was just like, "This is what the this is what SEC football sounds like to me." You know what I mean? Like the like the way that that game the the way that CBS presents SEC football. I'm like, that is, that is the way it is. And and I was thinking about it because of course, like, like you said, we have CBS on the call for this, for, uh, for our game. 
And I'm just like, I don't want it to go away. I don't think ESPN does does it justice. And so I'm I'm a little bit upset about that. And you know, so so for all the fans out there, like cherish cherish this game because I mean, you think about some of the iconic uh, LSU Alabama games; they've all been CBS games, like the one that like the 2019 one, the 9-6 game, the game with TJ Yeldon basically like took the game away from us. Mm-hmm. Those are uh, those are all CBS games that were you know pretty much either by Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson or now. Uh, Nestler and Bray and Gary Danielson. Yeah. So, and uh, I think most of those were night games too. Every one of those, except for um, the the 2019 game, was not a night game. Remember that? And people felt insulted by it, right? <laughs> because they were like, "Oh wow, we've been downgraded." Like they don't even think that LSU is going to be able to give them a game, right? Funny enough. Funny enough. Yeah. All right. Well, there we have it. Uh, I think that. That about covers it all, guys, unless there is something else you wanted to uh, toss out there. I think that's about it, yeah. Um, check out the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday, and then uh, good luck to the Tigers on Saturday. Um, this could make or break the rest of the season, obviously. Right. Wait, one question, because I, 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 if we win this game, we still need some help from another team to beat all of this, right? Yeah, we is still that- need Georgia to beat them. They actually play... A&M this week so that could be an opportunity as well but we do need Ole Miss to lose in order to make the SEC championship okay but let's just say I mean we we pretty much think that Georgia is going to beat Ole Miss so a win against Alabama we control our own destiny yes because okay. we have we'd have the head-to-head tiebreaker over Bama and at that point Ole Miss would have two SEC losses because they did lose to Alabama cool okay yeah I mean after, after Alabama after we beat them it's Florida and A&M Right. And then. Yeah. yeah big, big finish to the season that did us in last year. True. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll pretty much do it for us this week on talking Tigs. Definitely tune in next week. Uh, it's going to be a big game either way. We'll have it for you along with the rest of college football and anything else uh, that's coming out. Uh, whether it's from Ann Arbor's video department or wherever we'll have it for you folks. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, have a great week, and we will talk to you next time on Talking Tips.